0: Listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from Three <laughs> Triple
1: You're listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week, fourth of February to the eighth of February uh, this week. I was away on Monday, so don't worry about that day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we also—I had a chat to, about uh, a bit of a stuff-up I had on the weekend. Uh, where I embarrassed myself trying to get into a show. You'll love that chat. That's fine. <laughs> it is pretty good. Uh, and we also were very lucky to have Professor Patrick McGorry in to talk about the Mental Health Royal Commission. Uh,
2: also, speaking of things that Sarah stuffed up on the weekend, <laughs> uh, she also <laughs> told us another story about going to – trying to get into a party. And I got recognized at the big banana in Coff's Harbor. <laughs>
3: yes, very
2: funny story. Then we said, How do you do to Adam Christou
3: for his new uh, segment on uh, called Game Changes? And Laura Dunaman came in as our Friday funny bugger and made us do some role playing about the responsible serving of our co-. I think yes, We all learnt a lot.
2: Very good at role very playing. Very good. <laughs> Three triple R oh. Sarah, we missed you yesterday. Thanks. Um, did that you, makes you... Me feel better? Oh, does it? A little
1: bit. Oh, it's nice to know you miss. Yes. Oh,
2: yeah. Always. You very much so. Uh, tell us anything exciting happened to you over the weekend?
1: I don't really big weekend actually. Like big, no, I didn't drink all weekend because mm. um, I've had this sore throat. You just which was what, off yesterday.
2: You just saying
1: that so people don't think you <laughs> were hungover <laughs> oh, yesterday. I know. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, I have had lots on. Is what I meant to say yeah. on the weekend. Not. Um, Yeah, not a big weekend. But I didn't, like I drove all weekend. Mm. But on Friday night I um, had John Hopkins. John Hopkins is in town for Laneway Festival and he had his side show. And Andrew and I uh, had planned to go. He bought a ticket ages ago but then I ended up getting a spot on the door. Yes. Which was cool. Yeah, because it was a really sold out show. And so we decided to um, go into the city on Friday night and we had a lovely dinner in Chinatown, had some dumplings. Yum. Uh, So I had one beer. Mm-hmm. So Essentially mm-hmm. one beer. And it was a nice night. It was really hot. We're not keeping track. Yeah. Of your <laughs> yeah, no, just in case. That was for the boss. <laughs> She's listening. Uh and then we just hung out. It was, yeah, like Friday night was gorgeous in the city. So we just hung out and like took our time before the show and, you know, walked around and stuff and then went to um the forum and it was probably like half an hour before the show began. And I, I get really nervous when I'm on door lists because so often in my life when your name's been put on a door list, yeah, you get there not, and it's not there. Yeah. Mm. And also, Andrew had had a ticket to this show but then sold it because I was like, oh, look, I got on the door and I got a plus one and it was really sold out and friends wanted the ticket. So I thought, well, we'll just yeah. use this. And Andrew's a huge John Hopkins fan. And so we got to the forum and when I got to the door, I, um, I said my name and everything and, and the lady at the door at the forum said, you're not on the list. Oh. And I went, oh, you know, and I, I, I get embarrassed about my behaviour in these situations because I panic easily. And I was really conscious of the fact that Andrew had sold his ticket and trusted mm. me that, it would be fine to get into the show that was very sold out. And so I, I was like, oh, we're definitely on the door. We're definitely on the door. I showed her an email from um, the, you know, the person that works at the label mm. that had put me on the door. And she said, look, I believe you, but we just have no tickets here. We're out. It's sold out. We have no tickets. There's no tickets here. There's <gasps> oh, no tickets no. left. And then I rang um, the person that put me on the door and she, you know, she just apologised and she said, look, you know, let them know that I spoke to the tour manager and everything should be fine. And then I said to said to the, the, the lady at the desk, I was like, you know, she's spoken to the tour manager. So she rings the tour manager. The tour manager's on the phone and says, I've never heard of, never <gasps> heard of that name. I don't, oh, have, I don't have that oh. name. I know. And I'm getting more panicked. So I feel really... And how was the deal? I actually have a lot of guilt about this, about the, 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 the woman that was working at the forum because I think my behaviour wasn't probably... I wasn't being rude. I was just stressed. So I was just getting kind yeah. of... When you get panicking but, and, and yeah. you're like, what about this? Oh, no, yeah. but I am, but I am. And was and she getting the, angry? No, she was calm, but she kept saying, "She kept saying, I do believe you. You just have to understand. Yeah, you know, she's bearing the brunt of your stress. Of my stress. Yeah. And it's really hard when someone says to you, I do believe you, because I just kept thinking, you don't believe me. Mm. It's all very well to go, yeah, 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 I believe you. Yeah, you feel, I, yes, I believe yeah, you. Yeah, I believe you, but... And I uh, but I don't,
2: <laughs> and also I don't care. Yeah,
1: and just please leave now. Uh, and I could just I just couldn't make eye contact with Andrew who was standing next to me. You know I was just thinking oh. if I make eye contact with him right now I'm going to lose it because I just feel so. You won't be able to because his eyes will be in the back of his head
2: <laughs> rolling around.
1: So uh, I said, look, okay, uh, you know I rang. um Again, the person who put me on the door, and she said, I'm really sorry, there's been some problems with the guest list. We actually purchased some tickets in case this happened. I'll forward, I'll, I'll give you the purchase tickets. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I feel really terrible taking your purchase tickets now. And uh, she's like, no, 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 we've got them left over. It's fine. And she, she emails them to me. And I said to I was at the forum, I was like, it's okay. I've been emailed tickets. So the tickets come through, and I open up my tickets, and I said, you've just got to scan it there and hand it over. And she gets the phone out of my hand, and she goes... Um, the tickets are sorry. The tickets are for the wrong venue. And I went, and I thought, oh my god. I said, oh, what are the chance? I was like, <gasps> is this a scam? And I was like, I'm not scam. I'm not trying to scam you. I said, these are the tickets. You're the on the promoters
2: for the Sydney show. The promoter,
1: and she said, well. And then by this stage, the lady was looking at me like you are clearly trying to scam me. Like this is, oh, you know, no. it's almost like she's just gone from I kind of believed you, and now
3: I don't believe you. have just yeah. held
1: up something. So maybe some tickets from another show. And then she she kind of like pulls in, and she's like. Uh, jo- I don't know who Georgia Hopkins is either. And I said, no, what do you mean Georgia Hopkins? And she said, well, w- it, says, it says it's the wrong venue and it says he, oh, sorry, John Hopkins. I don't know who John Hopkins is. And I'm like, that's the show that I'm here to see. And she said, no, no, Georgia, someone or others on tonight. And I was like, oh, <laughs> no what? shit. Oh. I had been having a 15-minute argument with a woman at the wrong venue for the wrong show. Oh, my. 15 minutes. Neither of us. It took us 15 minutes to say the name of the show. Oh, my God. I I know. What what
3: had happened? Did you just...
1: I just had... She went to the wrong... Yeah, venue. no, but how did she... You... I don't know. It's in my head he'd always been playing at the forum, so I just went to the <laughs> forum. And somehow I walked past the giant sign that said whoever was playing at the forum, and it just happened to also be a sold-out show. And at no point during this 15-minute conversation that went back and forth did either oh me or the lady mate, say...
2: so I know. Good.
1: And I was so embarrassed. I just stood there, and Andrew looked at me, and I'm like, oh, oh I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Oh, I was just a <laughs> embarrassed about my behaviour. And then I walked out the front, and I jumped straight in the cab, it went like a hundred meters down the road to 170 Russell, which is where it was. It paid about 10 bucks to go down <laughs> to go down the road oh, to 170. No. I know. And then I walked in and I was on the guest list. Oh, oh mate. I know it was so you bad. Know. I know it was so embarrassing.
3: The only way that could have been better is if you'd actually got in and you'd been sat there as George or whoever it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, John Hopkins has changed his act a little bit. <laughs> triple R. Ah.
2: Huh. Cool. Yes, that is so cool.
3: <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the theme for our new segment, Game Changers
0: with Adam Christou. Hello, welcome, Adam Christou. It's good to be here.
3: Oh, it's so, so great to have,
1: have you. you. Just awesome. to be clear, is it Game Changer or Game Changers? I've got I game. don't even know. Okay, Should we the sheet just pick says pick one? game changer. Well, the computer says game changer. Computer says no. <sighs> Adam, you decide. It's your let's, segment. Let's
0: go game changes. Game. Let's change. oh, pluralize it. All right. It.
1: Oh, all right. <laughs> Everyone
0: loves plurals. We do. Mm. Excellent. And what game are we talking about today? We are talking about a tiny little indie game that came out a couple of weeks ago called Piku Niku which
2: uh, Thank you uh,
0: took me a while to learn how to pronounce. Thank you for
2: saying that. And it is a
0: self-described puzzle exploration game uh, where you, quote, uncover a deep-speak deep state conspiracy and start a fun little revolution in a delightful dystopian adventure sounds
1: oh. very jeff sparrow <laughs> who, would not, who would not like to do such a thing
0: <laughs> i have to say i kind of picked it for jeff. <laughs> um and you know I, I think i'll break down what puzzle exploration game means first because i think that's kind of a bit of a hallmark yes, to kind of think about the context and of. you're starting
3: from a pretty low base with the three of us so. yeah
0: so essentially <laughs> this is uh it's yeah, low base, why not? Um, this is a platforming game. And so the most iconic platforming game out there that a lot of people go to as a touchstone is the original Super Mario Brothers. So this is a 2D side-scrolling game where your character kind of moves in a two-dimensional plane. And the main kind of game verbs that you kind of interact with in this world is jumping and kind of jumping onto platforms and kind of moving through the world. And there are puzzles within this space that you kind of do that are built around jumping and your character also has a kick ability, or it can kind of kick out one of its legs. So there's lots of kicking kind of puzzles that happen around. Oh, so that's, I like this already. That's the main goal of the game, is you're going to be doing a lot of jumping, you're going to be solving some simple puzzles, and you're going to be kicking a bunch of stuff as well. Um, Piku is the main character of this game, so that's the Mario character. He's kind of like a oval-looking... Uh, ball with two black eyes and long legs and nothing else. He looks like a Mr. Men character. Everything in this game looks like a Mr. Men character. That's kind of the art style of this game. It is a bit kind of like...
2: I'm just looking at images. It's quite kind of simplistic, kind of, yeah, play school type. It feels
0: almost like someone got, like, good craft paper and just cut out all these characters and stuck them on. It looks Mm. like a children's, like... Storybook And and story-wise, it kind of reads a little bit like a fantastical children's adventure or, you know, kind of when you watch, like, weird children's programming, you're like, well, the writers were really trying to sneak some progressive stuff in here. But yeah. we're also writing for kids so they could sneak it by the parents. That's the general vibe of this game. Yeah. So how, how do the themes of the game unfold then? So... I guess the the main themes the first I would say the idea of capitalism and capitalism being evil and mega corporations kind of being this dystopian kind of um culture and community destabilizing force within society is set up from the very first second that you play the game. So the game opens up with a black screen, there's nothing there, and then the first thing you see is a tiny little character who appears in the middle of the screen. He's like this kind of pink cloudy blob-looking creature with a top hat on, and he's like, "Hi, can I get your attention? Look at me." And then you realise that you're actually looking at a TV screen and you're watching a TV ad. Um, This is a character called Mr. Sunshine who runs a company called Sunshine Incorporated. And you're watching a TV pitch and suddenly this great musical fanfare kicks in. It's like over the top. It's jubilant. Mr. Sunshine wants to come to your town, take all your trash for you with big robots and he'll just dispense free money to everyone in oh, return. What's not to like about that? It's pretty, it's pretty like there's a subversive element from the get go. Mm. Mr. Sunshine's kind of going, Mr. Free Sunshine. money. Here <laughs> you go. Yeah, he's sus <laughs> from the get go. Um, and so that's the pitch of the opening of the game. It then just kind of jumps forward in time. Your character wakes up in a cave and doesn't know what's going on, and you have to kind of escape this cave and find out what's happened to the world around you discover the world around you and find out the impacts of what the Sunshine Corporation has done to the island that you're on and the inhabitants that live on it. And it kind of, that's where it starts getting into this dystopian kind of vibe. It's when you start joining up with a resistance organisation of people who live in the forest that have been displaced by the corporation as well, and you go on a journey to kind of take down Sunshine Inc. And I don't want to spoil too much more there because it is only a three-and-a-half-hour game, and I think the narrative for me was a big draw card of why I wanted to keep playing it. I wanted to find out what the twists were and what was going to happen. So, yeah, you kind of do some eco-terrorism, though. (laughs)
2: Uh, And in terms of actually playing the game, if you're, like, across, yeah, playing something like Mario Brothers, this will be pretty simple, yeah?
0: Yeah, so it uses the same sort of game verbs, so you've got a jump button that you're going to kind of move around with. Uh, You've got a kick button, which you use to interact with a lot of things, so you can kick objects around. Um, This game has uh, kind of a physics-based engine around it, so everything has a bit of weight and a bit of heft to it. If you kick a rock on the ground, it'll kind of move to a certain amount of kind of space Uh, from in front of you and you'll be moving and pushing things up hills. You can kind of roll around on the ground as well and move things with you. And a lot of puzzles involve you finding like heavy objects like acorns or rocks and pushing them onto switches so that you can get to the next area. And I guess gameplay wise, it has a bit of a float to it. The character kind of jumps and lands a little bit erratically. So it has kind of what I like to call an awkward kinesthetic feel to a game. So Or you can awkwardly call that the game feel of the game. Sometimes the jumps don't feel super responsive. They don't feel like they're really meaty or good or that you have much control over it. So it can be a bit frustrating. However, the kick mechanic in this game when Piku Niku just like kicks out his leg is really satisfying. And so it's this kind of like... I
1: love kicking so much. It's so good in this game. There's
0: like a section in this game where you can walk into a pottery shop that you find along the way. And there's all these lovely like urns and vases up there and there's like a person that runs the shop and they're like, I just like to, you know, make pottery. It's all I want to do in my life. Then you can just roll through everything and kick it all and break it. Oh, it's, it's so, so awesome. good. <laughs> and, you know, if you want to do that, go for it. They, they seem a little bit distressed at the end of it. They're kind of like, mm, maybe that's what happens to things I make.
2: Oh. But, you know, up to you. Don't kick. That's a good lesson to learn. Because <laughs> everyone's really happy in this world, aren't they? Like, there's this, like, you know, there's this screenshot <laughs> The characters is going oh man stairs is so fun and things things like that yeah? yeah
0: it's like everyone is on laughing gas yeah uh-huh. yeah and it's got this kind of upbeat kind of dystopian vibe everyone's just putting on a cheery face um and and at first there was a little bit grating i thought it was a little bit forced and I, I finished this over two sessions so i played about an hour and then i came back another day and finished it over a two and a half hour period and my second time through, I think the game really opened itself up to me. The writing got a lot better. I kind of progressed through the story and it started to get really funny. And I think comedy in games is not an easy thing to nail. Right. This game does it. Really how, well. how
1: does it get funny? Thought, it just, work? it's very
0: oddball. It's a little bit non sequitur humor, but it's also, it kind of relies on what's going on at the moment. It references a couple of things on the internet like memes, but also has ah. a sense of humor about the way that it talks. Characters are a bit odd and charming. Um, you know, there's a family of worms that you meet at some point and their entire interaction with each other is really endearing and hilarious. Mm. You build up a good camaraderie with the other characters in the game that you meet and kind of form the revolution with it as well. And it's just well-written at the end of the day. Breaks the fourth wall at points to, which I didn't quite think worked in the script, but, you know, it's still, it's still funny at the end of the day. So it had a sense of humour that drew me through it. And I guess the platforming was a little bit just in the way after a while. I was like, okay, yeah, I've got right. to go through these jumping puzzles to get to the next bit of the story. Um, but what I found really got me into this game was it kind of realised that the platforming wasn't enough and it started throwing lots of mini-games and like little activities that you could do throughout and it would surprise you with them as well. So suddenly you would find yourself in a dance-off competition with a robot, which would change the entire way the game works because you'd have to play like a Dance Dance Revolution-style game within this game. Or you'd have to do like a, a throwback to a classic arcade game from the 80s in the middle of this game to find something under the ground. Ah. or So it had a lot of charm about it. It moved around and did different mechanics, which I thought was fun. There's a moment where you can kick a toaster and it teleports you to the toast dimension where you have to like run away from toast for about five minutes, which <laughs> float <laughs> after you. That whole level is actually where the platforming gets really satisfying and challenging for the first time, and I really enjoyed it as well because it's lots of jumping puzzles and lots of mechanics. While yeah, you get chased by toast. So oddball sense of humor, um, great graphics, um, and a and a good sense of warmth. And yeah. So the game it. is Pico Nico Pico Nico Bisector. Dub, what were you playing it on? I played this one on PC, and it's also on Mac and Switch. Excellent. I will check it out, everyone. Pico Niku, we've been talking to Adam Christou for
3: Game Changers. So Game Changers. <laughs>
2: Three. Triple. Uh, while I was on <clears throat> holidays, I yes. uh, did a lot of driving around. Mm. Uh, but at one stage, um, I reckon I drove past the big banana two or three times. Before. I know,
1: because you put it on Instagram.
2: put it on Instagram, yeah.
1: What do you mean, you drove past it two or three times? Oh, you man, I, d-
2: I did a bit of backwards and forwards across up and down the country.
1: Just on my doing holidays. a classic big banana drive-by.
2: Yeah, because it, it is hard to, have you been have you been to the big banana? Yeah, and I've done a classic big banana drive by. Yeah, you haven't oh, stopped there? No.
3: Don't know even where the big banana Coughs is. Coffs harbour. Oh, okay.
2: Um but it, it's on the height. and if you're on the if you go on the wrong way, it's hard to get across.
1: It's too you know. Yeah. You just put your thumb out. Yeah, there you it. go. Give big banana. Bigger thumbs up.
2: Um but we had a we had a bit of time up our sleeve one of the last times we were Driving past and also on the right side of the highway, so easy to pull in. Mm. So I went, so Kath was like, Do you want to stop at the big banana? I'm like, Yes, please. Because it had been so many times that, I, of course, I want to stop at the big banana. Yeah. And it's the classic thing, it's actually not that big. And I'm like, Who cares? I don't care. I just want it's to go still in the and biggest have
1: banana I've ever seen. Yes. I know exactly. because it's not that big, but like, yeah. how big do you want it to be? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Still. Now, it's big enough. You know. Yeah. Anyway, went to the big banana, and um, there's lots of fun things there to do. Is there? Yeah, like didn't what? do any
1: of it. There's a water park there. No, is yeah. it that? In, really? I yeah. just thought it was a building back. had bananas in it. No. Um, a water park?
2: Yeah, water park, and I think there's a laser tag, oh. maybe mini golf or something like that.
1: Oh, I love mini golf. mm. I might have made that up. But
2: anyway, wasn't it? and then – but you can also – you go in – we got a um, banana split.
1: You put that on Instagram. That was an impressive banana
2: split. Wasn't it? And it was massive. Like, we got a banana split and a banana chocolate milkshake to go with it just to double it up. Um, And it was funny. Like, it was so big. Like, I'm like, get a bigger bowl or put less ice cream in this because it just was melting all over the table. Um Was it delicious? Yeah, so good. Oh. Uh and it's sort of like when she the woman couldn't finish it and the woman came and collected, you know, the dishes and stuff. And she goes, How was it? I'm like, Oh so good, so big. She goes, Yeah, it's so funny. Families come in and get like, I'll get five banana splits, please. I'll get one <laughs> for every kid and it's like, Oh mate, just it's <laughs> <that's> too much. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, um when I was there though, uh just before we were leaving, I went to the bathroom and I was there washing my hands and this woman comes out, uh, sorry, comes in and she looks at me and she goes, oh, oh my goodness, I saw you in Cessnock. Um, And I was like, oh. Whoa, that's (laughs) creepy. Isn't it? (laughs) A little bit. Because I had a moment of... Because I'd been doing gigs and stuff along the way, I quite often would have people would start and go, "Oh, hey, I saw you at Woodford, or and you know I saw you in Sydney or whatever." Um, and so when she said Cessnock, I went, "Oh, okay. where's Cessnock? Do you know where that is?" Yeah, yeah, it's t- near in New South near, near Sydney on okay. the way to Sydney, um, but like inland. Uh, and then I was like, and then I thought about it for a second. I'm like, I didn't. I didn't do a gig in Cessnock, <laughs> and was, it's like, oh, she oh. just happens to be someone that happens to be travelling in the same direction. Ah. And so, but then it was a moment like, yeah, have you? Are you saying you saw me in Cessnock because you know? Oh, that's weird that you know what a coincidence we're in the same place again, or do you actually know me? Um. And then it was, uh, and then we were, I was kind of had a bit of chat. Like, oh, where are you travelling to? And blah blah blah. And then I kind and I said, like, oh, sorry, I'm. Went to say my name. She goes, yeah, "You're Geraldine. I know who you are." And I'm like, "Okay, you you actually do oh. know me." Oh. And then I was like, "Oh, cool. You know, And, I was, and she goes, "Sorry. Can I? Is it all right? Um, I have to go out and tell my mum that you're. She's gonna lose her mind." She's, oh my
1: god Is this like a famous thing?
2: Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, yeah. I can't believe oh. you're that famous now. Yeah, got recognised at the Big Banana. <laughs> <laughs> and also... In the toilets of yeah, a big banana. Oh. And also less impressive in Cessna, because I thought about it. When, <laughs> when I was in Cessna, I'm like... Because I went out and told Catherine, she goes, that's funny, because the only place we went to in Cessna was KFC. And then, the, <laughs> <laughs> and then the motel. So I'm like, oh you know. Uh, but so she said, I have to go out and, and tell my mum. She's going to lose her mind. I can't believe that, you know, this is so great. Um... And I went, oh, yeah, of course. And she goes, oh, yeah. And then I followed her out and I said, and she went towards, is that your mum over there with the hat on? She goes, yeah, that's her. So I said, hang on a second. I went up to this woman. And um, she was sitting down and I just kind of tapped her on the shoulder and she turned around and looks up at me and she goes... And I said, sorry, excuse me, but are you following me around Australia? Oh,
1: <laughs> oh you're such an arsehole. <laughs> and
2: she just had this look on her face. She's going, what is... This? And then, like, the penny dropped and she looks and she recognises. it. She goes, oh, my God. And I'm like, hello, nice to meet you. And then we, you know... Are you following
3: me around Australia? <laughs>
1: Look at it! following you from the KFC (gasps) to the toilet. Yeah, (laughs) that is a good coincidence. I mean, the two like that's. I feel like of all the moments, you could have stopped the big banana. And Cessnock. It's not exactly no. the place to be. Exactly. No that. offence to
3: Cessnock. A listener texted in saying the story reminds me of the Gollywog Roadhouse. And I was just thinking that when you're saying it does remind we me. We drove
1: of... past it. Which is burnt down now, right? Yeah,
2: it's all, it's all burnt to, yeah, we do because I pointed it out to Catherine. I'm like, that's where all the, that was the um, the, the Uluru Roadhouse. Oh, they called it the Ayers Rock Roadhouse. It of course stood, they did. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, it's, really it make their case
3: Also yeah. reminded me When we were driving around Tasmania We went to a town called Penguin Yes And you know what was in Did Penguin? you
2: recognised in Penguin? No I didn't Penguin
3: There was a giant penguin A big penguin Oh how big We talking? Well again it's the same sort of thing You look at it You promised a big penguin And you look at it and you think It's not but that how,
2: big like, is it, it was like
3: you know Taller than you How tall are you? Yeah, yeah and I've got a photo of me Giving it a hug How much did you get
2: your arms around it?
3: No, I was holding its flipper. Okay. That's pretty big. Yeah, Yeah. it was a
2: big penguin. Could you go inside it?
3: No, it wasn't
2: that big. I think that's the. Did anyone recognise you you at the big penguin? (laughs) No, nobody
3: recognised me just as well, too.
2: That's what that's a that's for how big you want you want to go inside it. Yeah, that's.
1: I can think, you go inside? I the think big you banana? can call something big if you can yeah. walk inside it. That's a good. Yeah. Can you go inside the big banana?
2: Yeah, yeah, walk through the big banana. They've got a couple of TVs in there. Don't you eat the s- Sunday
1: in the big banana?
2: No, there's a cafe like next to oh. it. It's just like it's a hallway. You know, it's it's a corridor really. When
1: you were saying this, I imagined you were sitting in Instant a big banana-shaped banana shaped room, a banana. kind oh. of like cast with a yellow hue.
2: No. But and then the gift shop, so big, so many
1: banana things.
2: So many banana things in
1: there. Did you buy a banana thing?
2: No, because there's never any. I'd I'd love to, but there's you know I'd like to get like a, a stubby holder with my name on it or something like that. But there's never or a number plate, you know. So you what want,
3: what have they got? You want, I'm sorry, what? What do you
2: mean you want a stubby holder with your name on it? You know how it's all like you get number plate, all those ah. things that has you know your name on it. I'm sure you're very used to it. Was Sarah? There's always Can a keyring. I
1: just tell you, or, the people face Sarah out. It's almost ah. like name people are are trying to. They're annoyed at how many Sarahs they had to do in the 80s and 90s. And now when I go places, rarely is there a Sarah mug or number plate.
2: What are they... What are you getting... What names are there?
1: It's not Sarah. Sandra. Sully. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sandra and Sully. You liar. <laughs>
4: Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app.
2: Thanks so much for being here. means a lot. Oh, Thank, thank you for being here. <laughs> Anytime. So I've been meaning to ask you, you you started telling me about this weird thing that happened to you on Saturday.
1: Oh, yeah. So you know how I was saying on Friday, uh, for those, if you listen to 6.15, you probably didn't hear me say this at 8.45 the other day, but (laughs) I got, uh, I turned up at the wrong venue on Friday night. Yes. Uh, to see John Hopkins and... did um, anyway. <laughs> you go see jo- Georgia Hopkins. Georgia Hopkins, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that was a long story, <laughs> but I ended up not turning up to the right venue to see an artist that I thought I was on the door list for. But on Saturday, I didn't have the same thing happen, but I had a kind of... I got stuck in a bit of a bizarro world because I had my friend Brody's birthday on and a friend of hers was holding it at her apartment in Collingwood mm. and I hadn't been to this apartment before and so I was just given the address turned up was given the number of the apartment buzzy apartment mm-hmm. Brody or someone said come up to the floor like whatever it was level seven so far so so good. far so good and i'm like cool all good so i walk into this foyer and i can turn left or right and there's elevators on either side so i turn left and i go to this elevator and i can't you know it, it opens up but i can't like get in without a key or a password a swipe key then this really handsome guy um I just putting in that he's handsome. He was, yeah. Well, he was. It was just very, it was just like a bit of a Seinfeld moment because this guy has wheeled his bike past and I said, Oh, I need to get up to level seven. He goes, Let me swipe you up. And I thought, Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you, handsome stranger. Thank you, handsome stranger. And then I got up to that level and then I got off and I went to my friend's apartment door and I knocked on it and I could hear voices behind there. So I thought, Oh, that's interesting. And then I knocked again. But then it kind of went silent. <laughs> and then I thought, are they. this is like maybe they're playing a joke on me and then this particular apartment has a pool and I was on the same level as the pool. So I thought, well, maybe it's a pool. Maybe they're all in the pool. So then I go towards where the pool is, but I can't get out because I've been locked in, yeah. obviously. Uh, but also I smashed my phone last week. So I've got oh, no yes, one's so phone numbers call. and I had been contacting them via facebook messenger but obviously when you're trying to get onto someone who's at a party you can't you're not necessarily on their facebook messenger so then i i did this a few times and then i began to panic you know how your brain my brain goes very fast from you're just in an apartment in collingwood everything's fine you're gonna die you're not gonna starve you're gonna die yes it it went it went like it went from zero to a hundred i began to panic And I thought, I'm going to be stuck here. I'm going to be stuck here all night.
3: And they'll just find your bones
1: in the corner. (laughs) Shriveled up. And so then I was posting in – then I was like, what I'll do is I'll post in the event on Facebook because then it'll, like, notify more people. So I posted in the event, hey, guys, I'm stuck on level 7. Can someone (laughs) come and find me? And then nothing – I was like, this must have notivated – Noti- Notif- notified yeah. quite a number of people all motivated, all motivated. <laughs> but then they didn't no one replied oh. and then i messaged my friend directly and no one replied and at this point i thought I, I had a flashback to year seven where i was having um a fight with my friendship group and they all ran off on me <gasps> like they said yes. oh we're gonna meet you under the That's tree it. for lunch and then yeah. i turned up at the tree and they weren't there the, yeah oh. i know so i started having this kind of like Flashbacks. To, and yes. flashbacks, and pasts and stuff within a flashback in, within a flashback within the Bizarro <laughs> world, and then eventually, and then I knocked on the door really hard, like boom, 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 and then this girl opens the door and sticks her head out and I said, "Hi, I'm here for Brody's party," and then she goes, "Oh, I thought you were a murderer," and
2: I went, what? <laughs> "Oh my god, you just you met yourself." Oh no, <laughs> and there I was staring back at me.
1: Oh, and then and I was like, no, "I'm not a murderer. No, I'm just here for Brody's party." And I said, "Is this four oh seven? And she goes, "Yeah." And then, and then she goes, "I'm so sorry I didn't come to the door. I had the TV on and I heard you. And I'm really hungover, and I just got Aww. really paranoid because the way you were knocking was a bit strange. And I was thinking, yeah, that yes, is, is terrifying. What was I knocking strangely? And then I thought maybe I was. Maybe I was kind of lightly knocking, and then hard, and then harder. And I did it so many times that she goes, by the time you knocked the third time, I just become convinced that there was someone weird out here. And then when I did <laughs> well, the bashing, she thought maybe it's an emergency." <laughs> And then I was like, oh, okay, this is all really interesting, but, like, where's Brody? And then she goes, oh, no, there's, a, there's two towers here and they have identical oh. numbered apartments. I think I know which apartment you're at. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, yeah, there's no way, there's no discernible way to know whether you're going up to the first tower yeah. or the second That's tower. That's crazy. And then this really hungover girl was so lovely. All these people that live in this apartment are so lovely. She took me with her key, like, all the way over to the other tower. To Brody's place. That's so
2: funny. It can be can you imagine? And then I got in. It's so funny that she was
1: she was you. She was so. And I said to her, "Don't." I actually said to her, "Don't worry," because she felt quite bad for not just answering the door in the first mm. place because I was quite flustered and a bit upset. Yeah. And I was like, "I oh, don't worry about it," because there's no way I would have answered the door if someone was bashing on it like that. Either. Yeah. Exactly. And, and did this happen to anyone else? Yeah, about five other people. Oh. And it made me feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> but but then. Don't you reckon how much oh, you panic my. in a situation that is so n- not worthy of panicking? Oh, yeah, at for all. sure. Yeah.
2: But oh. for me, its I would have just... I, immediately I would have thought, oh, no, all my friends hate me and yes.
1: they've just, they've set this up. It's exactly this, where this I this went. This is a setup. I was like, this whole Brody's birthday <laughs> yeah. doesn't even exist. Yeah. And then,
2: like, knocking on the door and there's a bit of talking and then silence. so it's like, like, Oh, no, she's, she's here. here. She's here. She, everybody... Everybody hiding. I love like,
1: that your brain's the same as yeah, mine.
2: And it's like, oh no, they're not gonna pop out and say, Surprise, we love you. It's just it's over. Nobody likes you anymore. But then but then that other poor hungover woman in her apartment, I just like I can imagine like just sitting there, because also she's on another Someone le- Someone's
1: with a keys let you up. Like, how did you get how up there? How did I there? get up there, and why am I knocking on there? But it must happen often enough to her, and she kind of because she was straight away knew what had happened. Mm. I thought, oh, this it is, must be this so, can't so be that annoying uncommon. to live in this crazy I building. No, I know.
2: Yeah, uh. but could have bonuses. Like, could be Uber Eats. Like, oh yeah, thank you. That is a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. okay. So bye. it's worth it
1: for just the moment that you buy, that you order you get order eats acci- Uber eats accidentally or yeah. taken But because you
2: don't pay for it. Yeah. Your neighbour did. Yeah.
1: Um
3: I did have something similar. Once. I'm sure I've told this story before, but um I a few years ago I was doing an interview for a book at the A B C in South Bank and I'd never mm-hmm. been there before and it was on a Sunday and it's completely empty when you go in there on the weekend, so like, there's hardly anyone in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And and they, you go in, you sign in at, at the desk, and they, they just give you instructions. They're oh, yeah, go, they
2: just go, go upstairs. Go upstairs
3: or whatever. So I went upstairs, and I could not see where the studio was. Because yeah,
2: it's not obvious. It's not <laughs>
3: obvious, no. And then I saw this door, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's probably through there. Then I went through the door, and then I heard the door click behind <laughs> oh, me. Oh, that, <laughs>
1: that is <that's> the worst sound.
3: <laughs> 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 and then it was locked. And I was locked on the outside, on the outside, like <gasps> near this stairwell. Like it was this, and I didn't have the phone number for, like the interview was in like five minutes or something and I didn't have the phone number for. And you were
2: just there in the fire escape. <laughs> oh there, my God. There the,
3: and it's like that stress of like, you know, you're going to go on radio and oh. like the time is ticking. Now. What, what am I going to do? And I... they
1: always want you there about an hour early too. Yeah. So you're kind of panicking as to why you need to be there an hour early in and
3: the then I tried to call my publicist. Yeah. From the, the publisher. But no reception. Well, because the... it's like a Sunday, you know, like kind of. <laughs> oh,
5: <laughs> I would have loved to watch that panic spiral.
3: Totally. And eventually, she she I eventually I sent her an email, which she got, and then she called the ABC people who came out to got me. But when they when they came in to get me, they were just laughing. So oh, they so were. So, and then you know, I'd like to bring you into this studio, and you're in the sun, and it's just that horrible, covered with sweat, sort of.
2: Ah, yeah. And, and they would push you into no. you're
1: on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times. Oh, at least you didn't have to smash the fire alarm. No, I
5: was get better. Triple R, not for everyone, for anyone.
3: Victorian Government has announced it's holding a Royal Commission into Mental Health. It's to be chaired by Professor Patrick McGorry from Melbourne University, and he's joining us now. Welcome to Breakfasters.
5: Thanks very much. Um, I'm not actually chairing it, though. Um, that will be commissioners. I'm, I'm chairing the advisory panel, so oh. s- slight clarification, but well, thank you for having me.
3: <laughs> thank you for coming. Now, what spurred this Royal Commission? Was there a particular incident that led to it being declared, or was it more of a general issue? Well, I think...
5: Um, it's it's the real reason we're having it is because there's been a collapse in public mental health care in Victoria over the last let's say fifteen years, and it's just one example of what's happened all around the world when the institutions were closed and governments failed to provide um, intensive community based mental health care for for the huge number of people who need it actually, and um, but what triggered it was Stephen Duckett. Um, former Secretary of the Federal Department of Health, who now works at the Grattan Institute, did an inquiry into hospital safety for the government, the Andrews government in the first term, um, largely based on obstetric deaths out, out at Bacchus Marsh. But he included hospital safety of, of, of um, people with mental illness in, in the inquiry or in the focus. And it revealed, you know, um, over 600 suicides every year in Victoria and increasing number of homicides, um. By untreated psychiatric patients who otherwise would be completely safe if they were effectively treated. So, um, I suppose that was the tip of a big iceberg where you know neglect of the recovery of so many people with mental illness was was occurring. And you know, obviously, I I and many others have been trying to point this out for several terms of government. Um, but the Andrews government's the first government that's actually basically ad- admitted the state of collapse of the system you know, without really any. Uh, I don't know, inhibitions about that, actually. They've been very frank and honest. And um, Royal Commission, some people say, well, we we know what to do. Why do we need a Royal Commission? But Royal Commission builds the community consensus. Uh, It builds the uh, consensus on what to do. And then it empowers the politicians to actually take some very radical action, I think. And we need a a major redesign with the voice of, you know, consumers and families, you know, front and centre in that. Um, not saying the experts don't have a clear view and, and, and agree with what needs to be done, actually. Um, so, you know, Royal commissions is an incredibly important step, actually.
1: You described the, you have described Victoria's mental health system as crumbling, threadbare, overwhelmed and obsolete, which is a very accurate description. Uh, but we once had the best mental health care in Australia, in Victoria. What's happened in that 15 years? Yeah, uh,
5: yeah well, I, I guess I, I've witnessed this. You know, I've been embedded within it for, since 1984 when I came to Melbourne and uh, working in those old institutions, which was great that we actually did replace them, or not replace them, actually, but we removed them. But And at first it looked like, you know, the, the, the Mark I version of what we put in place was, was actually uh, a good start. But then people thought, this is typical for mental health, they thought, okay, tick, it's done, you know, we don't need to look at it again for 20 years. And so there was just a mixture of complacency, neglect and just a failure to design the system appropriately for people with mental illness. The assumption was if you put mental health care within physical health care within the acute hospitals like, you know, Royal Melbourne or St Vincent's and you let the CEOs of those hospitals run it... Uh, everything will be fine, well, of course it wasn 't designed properly it wasn 't protected financially from uh, you know, the, the pressures within those hospitals, so even the limited amount of money that did go to mental health care didn 't actually reach the patients. It went to, went to other patients, and uh, that 's still happening it happened in the, you know within the last twelve months. Um, and of course, the amount of money uh, was woefully inadequate. You know, this is a massive problem. It's nearly fifteen percent of the burden of disease receives about six or seven percent of the health budget. So, um, I think the KPMG uh, firm was asked by the government to look at where where Victoria sat nationally. Used to be, as you said. You know, the highest per capita funder back about 20 years ago in, in Australia with the most promising innovative models, including the early intervention model that we developed and the youth mental health models. Um, but now it's the lowest. It's the lowest in terms of community and inpatient care. It's just collapsed, basically. And so what you see now is people flooding into emergency departments every single day, waiting for long periods at the back of the queue. And if they get distressed or agitated, which naturally that's their problem, so they, they will be in that state... Um, at the drop of a hat, security guards are called and they're shackled and and, and uh, you know sedated. And so the experience of the patient, the experience of staff is just absolutely demoralising and traumatising. And you know it's it's um, it's incredible that in a rich country like Australia and a rich state like Victoria that this could have been allowed to happen. People were not listened to until this government um, has actually listened.
1: I think it's one of those things that you don't believe it until you see it. And I was speaking to you off-air. I have a lot of experience in this area because a member of my family has been in many psychiatric mm. institutions. And I can attest for the fact that you can sit in emergency waiting rooms for 24 hours mm. with basically minimal care and then often get turned away because there just aren't beds. You can have someone acutely ill yeah. who is then medicated and uh, if they have a member of family then told to take them home because that's basically the best we can do at this point in time. Like, there is so few beds available in hospitals, it's kind of quite astonishing at the moment. Why can't the government, just before we do the Royal Commission, why can't there just Mm -hmm. be money put into funding at the very minimum beds in psychiatric wards at the moment?
5: Yeah, Okay. Well, I've had the same experience in my family um, and, uh, you know, probably a, a, a very significant percentage of Victorians actually have had that experience, so it's absolutely right. Um, the other thing to say is the emergency department is not the right place you know, because you know, it's good for car accidents and heart attacks and stuff like that and, and the people are trained for those sort of things. They're not really trained for dealing with mental uh, ill health and the government's response had been to sort of try to create spaces within the emergency departments with mental health staff to deal with that but that's like putting all the ambulances at the bottom of a cliff. And that's not what you should do you know that's what they did in the last budget actually in last May and maybe you had to do that just to you know to stem the bleeding sort of thing if you can put it that way but um, uh, the problem with more beds and we do need more beds um, it's not it's not the urgent priority though because um, they take years to build um, um, and you know we want to turn off the tap you know and the way to do that can be done very quickly actually by investing in community mental health proper platforms of care we've been working with mental health victoria to develop um the the model of community mental health hubs which are not you know stigmatized concepts i mean we've developed a thing called headspace which you probably know about um Mm -hmm. which is a very stigma free youth mental health platform which is holistic offers a whole range of things including peer support um, vocational recovery not just you know, medical interventions, but the whole range of things that young people need—that con- concept could be expanded across the lifespan and across a range of other things, including addictions, which are a big mixed mix uh, mixed in with uh, mental ill health. So, that those those sort of models could be put on deck fairly quickly, and the big limiting factor there would be workforce. And you know, and we need to regenerate and re- remoralize the workforce. The workforce is on its knees, actually. You know, mm-hmm. so you can imagine what it's like. Dealing with those sort of situations, um, like war zones, really, you know, quite often. Um, but just following on from Sarah's
3: question, I mean, it, I, I feel that if patients with broken legs were waiting for twenty-four hours for any kind of treatment and emergency mm-hmm. wards, there would be a massive public outcry, and something would have been done about it long a long time ago. How much of the willingness of governments to allow these sort of facilities to run down how much of that is due to the ongoing stigma around mental illness is this is there still a sort of sense that this is somehow sort of shameful or people deserve it somehow and don't maybe deserve the sort of treatment that other patients would get
5: absolutely you're absolutely on on the ball there and i think people are still blamed for their illnesses secretly i mean people might, might not say that overtly mm. now but people are judged you know for, for having a mental illness still and certainly for an addiction i mean everyone blames people who are addicted to drugs or alcohol um, even if they're not willing to say it Mm. so so i think that's that's one thing the other thing is empowerment you know i mean we've seen um the rise of you know peer support and these these sorts of developments but it's only a really small group of people have been proposing that but i have just come back from south africa where uh, an international meeting was organised t- um, to start a global campaign to mobilise the public in their own self-interest because it's not just, you know, 10% of the public, it's probably 50% or more, or maybe 100% that are affected directly or indirectly by mental illness. But they haven't been given a voice or they haven't, they haven't, they haven't found their voice. You know, I don't think they should be given a voice. They should, actually should find their voice and organise and we are doing that now in Australia through a group called australians for mental health this is like an activist group like get up it's and it's started now it's been set up as a charity it was the australian representative at this global campaign meeting so that's what needs to happen i think you know because as you you say if it was cancer if it was heart disease you wouldn't get this capping of care like we do in terms of number of sessions you can actually get or you know or you're turned away when you've got a life-threatening condition that happens in two out of three cases in Victoria currently, life-threatening conditions are turned away. If that happened with chest pain or you know breast lumps or you name it, that'd be you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be tolerated. So, and I, I guess we've got to get the public to to say we're not going to tolerate it. And we, we've had six thousand submissions. Um, I heard yesterday from the minister for even just the terms of reference for this mm. commission. So I think the public sentiment and the public uh, engagement is there, but. We've got to organise it. Um, mm. And this will support the Premier and the, and, the, and Minister Foley in getting full-blooded action on the on the recommendations that we... The Premier's already, already committed to whatever recommendations are made. Um, and we've got to make sure they're very um, serious and, and uh, radical, I think, because, <clears throat> you know, we just can't put more money into the same things.
2: It- Out of those six thousand submissions, that there's been, I read there's been a large percentage from women. Do you know any shed any light on why that would be?
5: Yeah, it's a it's it's a very good question. Um, Women um, are very good at expressing themselves. I've noticed. Mm. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's what it's uh, related to. I don't know. I mean, I I haven't actually seen all the submissions yet, but, um, yeah, it'd be good to analyse why that's the case. Mm. Do you
1: think just on that, there's a risk then with something like a Royal Commission missing some of the people that probably need the voice in this situation? So Mm. unless you, say, have someone who can represent you like me, Mm. uh, if I can for for someone who's ill, Mm. if you're one of those people in a hospital who doesn't have that kind of representation and can't access... Forms online. I mean, how do you kind of hear those voices in a royal commission?
5: Yeah. That, well, I, I think efforts will have to be made for that. Like, you know, yeah. um, refugee communities, you know, um, called communities. <clears throat> um, so, some some people are better advocating for themselves than others, I guess. And men are probably not that great, yeah. know, to be honest. Um, and also, I mean, people with serious mental illnesses. Um, it does impair their ability to speak for themselves, um, especially when they're not well because um, you know think uh, illnesses like schizophrenia, you lose energy, you lose motivation it's part of the illness and so so that's that's probably another another explanation I think also another group I'd mentioned would be that <clears throat> would be the people working in the public mental health system. Yeah. They haven't been allowed to speak out. The only reason I've been able to mm. express myself over the last fifteen years in, in in the media and in other and other forums is because I work in part, at least, for the university and and for a research for for, for the research um, uh, mental health research uh, organisation Origin. So I've had other platforms uh, to be able to speak from. But the average. <coughs> Psychiatrist, psychologist, or clinical director of a service in Melbourne is in, is not allowed to speak about the state of affairs publicly, sure. um, which I find you know outrageous. Actually, that you're not allowed to um, tell the public what's actually happening. I think the minister would agree with that. Now, I mean, he 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 has been shocked. Minister Foley has been shocked by. What he's learned in, in the portfolio, and is I think he's very determined to fix it. Mm.
1: This is one of those issues that also intersects with other issues. So right now, wards are also under a lot of pressure from the fact that there's an increase in homelessness, an increase in acute psychotic responses to drugs like ice, and so we see these are other issues mm. that are kind of happen parallel with yeah. mental illness. Can a royal commission deal with all of these parallels at once? I like think what happens when these things intersect.
5: Yeah, well, as, as you're alluding to, mental illness is, is a complex beast, isn't it? Is a complex phenomenon, um, and the, you know, addictions are absolutely at the core of it. You know, um, you, you become addicted through the, the, the um, through the pathway of mental illness, and vice versa, actually. So you've got to deal with those things together, not in separate systems of care. I mean, we complain about the state of the mental health system, but the drug and alcohol system was virtually abandoned. You know, when the institutions were closed and it was handed over to kind of NGOs with very, you know, with, with staff trained at a much lower level than than met, even mental health services were. So, so it, it's got to be brought up to the, to, to the same quality and in, and fully integrated, not not run in in a separate way. The philosophy is different in drug and alcohol too. There's this. Mistaken idea that you've got to wait for the person to sort of somehow hit rock bottom and realise they have a problem and Mm. seek help. Well, you know, as as any sensible person knows, that's part of the problem with an addiction that you don't you don't often admit or realise that you've got a problem. Relatives will tell you that. So there's got to be a much more sophisticated approach, integrated with mental health care, to deal with that. So, having said that, I mean, because it's such a wide spectrum thing. There's got to be a focus for a state government. We've, we've actually got to fix the, the the really you know life-threatening, serious end of things, you know, um, in a preventive way, if I can put it that way. So, prevention, early intervention has got to be part of it. But the focus has got to be to prevent um, the more serious you know complications or problems that fl- flow from mental illness, because they've been the ones that've been neglected. It's not that hard actually if you've got a mild case of depression to get some sessions from a psychologist. It's not enough for most people, probably, but at least you can get some kind of access at the milder end. But the people with more in the middle and with more complex problems are being completely let down by federal and state governments. Mm.
3: So what happens now? Submissions are closed. When will the report be delivered? And if there are people listening who feel they have something to contribute, is there any way they can be involved from here on in? Um,
5: well, yeah, uh, I think very soon... Um, it's really... I've learned a lot out of this process. Um, um, It's it's like building a machine, a Royal Commission. It it takes a number of months to sort of build the infrastructure to make it happen, like even hearing rooms and appointing a CEO to run it and all that kind of stuff is is going on behind the scenes. The commissioners are being decided upon by the Premier and the Cabinet. Um, um, The Department of Premier and Cabinet working with the Health Department are sort of um, trying to build that machine at the moment and um, I think that's all got to be done by March the 4th because that's 100 days after, um, I think after the election was the, was the target and there's a thing called letters patent that have to be issued by the Governor to, to establish the Royal Commission so all of that stuff has been happening with a, with a huge amount of energy actually over the last month or two led by DPC um, and uh, the Health Department and the, and the Minister for Mental Health so that's all happening so I think sometime after March the fourth, people will have an opportunity, and I think it's going to be a combination of people telling their stories. Um, but I think the government's determined that it's not just going to be like a witch hunt, uh, sort of, or, or or even a blame uh, um, orientated thing, um, or or a kind of a justice orientated thing, like the say the child sex uh, commission, mm. uh, royal commission. I mean, that people have got to tell... People have been traumatised, there's no doubt, and, 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 and harmed by this neglect, but the focus has got to be positive, you know, building a new, a new system. And so the ideas of people with lived experience and, 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 um, and families, um, plus, you know, the range of professionals and, and so on, and the scientific evidence, all of that's got to be focused on building something that's much more effective and of the same quality... As what people get for cancer and, and, and heart disease.
3: If you've been directly affected by some of the issues we're talking about, the number for Lifeline is 131114. We've been talking about the Royal Commission into Mental Health, discussing it with Professor Patrick McGorry, who will be chairing the expert panel for Australia's first Royal Commission into Mental Health. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Three, triple, ah. It's Friday, time for the Friday
4: bunny
1: yes. bugger. This week it's Laura
4: Dunham. Hello, guys. Hi. Welcome back. I've been in the studio chatting to you for five minutes already, but I know. it's so nice to see you all. About
1: rhinoceroses.
4: Yeah, we've been talking about animals and that kind of thing. Um, having a lovely time. You all look so fresh as well. Really? Jeff shaved his head. Which <laughs> you
1: were quite that surprised was the first that you shaved
4: it. <laughs> he was shaved your
1: head. You know, he was baptised over the holidays. Were you really? I was, yes.
4: I'm sure there's been several talk breaks about this already, uh, hasn't there? N- n- no?
1: no, I wasn't really baptised. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh okay. I just wanted to see if you were <laughs> <fill up. laughs> the last. disturbing. No, I'm the, very
4: gullible. i oh, I actually felt bad
1: when I said that and then you were like, believed it straight away. I, I wish believe just anything kept anybody going. says. He's
4: a communist, doesn't believe in God. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to think that something might not be true. I'm just trusting. No, I think you're
1: just a nice person. Now I'm not a nice person. <laughs> you and don't you belong are here if you're a, a nice person.
2: Dog, I went along with it. As well. did like, how did we? How, what, how did I miss this?
4: <laughs> I'm just surprised that that person that saw you getting a coffee before and texted in could recognise you, Jeff.
3: Well, apparently, I'm a superstar. So
4: yeah, and you will mention that several times <laughs> over.
2: <I'm sorry. laughs>
4: um, I haven't been in for a little while because it's been summertime, and that's right. You guys have been on a break. Um, he is over there rustling it, isn't <laughs> yeah, he? Russell Craig. Ironically, so I was closing the door morning. so that <laughs> okay, so not be disturbed. <laughs> okay. Um, I over the summer had. a big development in my life huge achievement of mine personally i got my rsa certificate Did you? as we know what's rsa responsible service of alcohol and that's one of the questions on the test as well (laughs) it's a hard test isn't it i can serve alcohol responsibly now how do you do that um you don't give too much of it Mm. basically yeah and you cut people off how would you do that? Well, we're going to get to that because okay. I'm going to Great. do yeah. some role playing. I'm going to do some role playing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, why role what play. you decide, why, why did you have to get an RSA?
4: Well, I had to get it for my work. Ah. Yeah, so I thought I'd been putting it off for ages and I thought let's just bite the bullet, go and get it done. I went to I had to sign up. Victoria is the only state where you have to go in person and do a course. Ah, Isn't that... The worst. Why? All the other st- I don't know. All the other states, you can do it just online, online. and and it was four hours long. Oh
1: my really? god! I had oh, to it's go into to be the thorough. city.
4: I had to go into the city and sit in the classroom. And in the classroom, they tried to make it fun by having a fake bar. Oh but yeah! But <laughs> all of the bottles were filled with like this weird orange cordial thing. Oh, that sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> it w- so wasn't. I went on the fourth of February. Oh sorry, the fourth of January. Oh. So man. like everybody's still in New Year's, Christmas, uh, holiday mode, and I'm taking myself off to an RSA course. Funny. And I sat down, there was like like we had to wait for like fifteen minutes before the guy started and came in. And there was probably about thirty to forty people, I was one of the oldest, just sitting in the room just in absolute Silence for about 15 minutes. Oh, you know those that's courses? That's excruciating. Yeah, yeah and, everybody, and we had little classroom seats, like with the little desk in front <laughs> of us, and we're all sitting there. And I kept on dropping things off my desk. <laughs> and, <he picked laughs> and it was just compl- like you could hear an absolute pin drop. It was oh. just shocking. And then it was that that was the vibe for the whole four hours. Oh, God. Ooh. I feel yeah. like I'm, I'm
1: uncomfortable.
4: What are telling me to, that. Yeah, we had to like do the thing where you go and you turn to the person next to you and like try and figure out a question together in the textbook. Oh, I hate you know, that. yeah. And so go we had on. to like turn to each other and, you know, have a chat.
3: And did you <laughs> ah! did you have some great dud
4: next to you? I had this girl called Darcy. I was like, Hi, I'm Lauren and she's like, I'm
2: Darcy <laughs> and I was
4: like, What are you doing, um the why do you have to do the RSA? She's like because my mum told me to. <laughs> oh.
2: That was me when I did Great. it.
4: <laughs> Darcy was fine. She was fine. Um, but there was a woman that got right through the course, passed it, and then found out because she was getting it because she was a flight attendant, mm. she found out that the Victorian one wasn't applicable for what she Oh, oh my God. <laughs> She had to go and do an even longer one, which is the Australia-wide one. Like she's, like, going to be flying uh, across Australia. Yeah, so. I, like I like how much Paul pleasure you take. Taking- <laughs> 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 <Whoa. laughs> <laughs> the most interesting thing that's happened all day. Um, but part of it was that we did have to do role plays. <gasps> so a you? very important part of being a responsible alcohol server is that you have to um, cut people off. At the bar. Mm-hmm. Or the function, or wherever you are. So, if they've had too much, and if it's getting to a point where they're becoming dangerous to themselves or others, mm-hmm. then you, as the responsible alcohol service server, have to cut them off, right? Mm. And we had to role play how to do that. And if I had to do that in front of thirty to forty people, you guys have to do it on the radio. I, so oh, um,
2: sure. that's
4: what we're going to do. Right? have <laughs> 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 Got three scenarios, right? right. And are uh, we
2: going to be cutting you off, or you cutting us? You're going to be cutting each other off. Oh, okay. Of I mean, I can
4: participate. <laughs> this Go is my favourite thing to do is I'll just cut. pass over my <laughs>
2: segment
4: to you guys. <laughs> um, I I can participate if you want, but I do have three scenarios. Oh, okay. Whatever you like. All right. I'll commentate and I'll give feedback perhaps. Yes, oh, great. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. So the first one, um, we're in a bar and Jeff and Sarah are a couple in the corner, mm. which you know makes sense because there is palpable sexual you know, tension you in know him. You,
1: i actually hate you so much i hate you so much you know jeff had a dream the other night that we were married and had two kids together
4: that's saying something isn't it I jeff like, maybe you know maybe there's unrequited just
3: get on with love thing you are so fun.
4: ah uh, <laughs> right, so jeff and sarah are a couple in the corner and mm-hmm. they're They've both had way too much, and they're going at it consensually. Um, oh, this is... And they're making I, other people in the bar uncomfortable. Yeah, oh God. God. I can't
3: do this. Everybody else
4: comes up. Jeff comes <laughs> up to the great. bar, and Geraldine is serving, and he mm-hmm. wants some vodka for him and his girlfriend slash lover, Sarah. Okay. And you have to decide what to do, Geraldine. Okay,
1: then. Go.
3: Hey, barkeeper, I need some more vodka if I'm going to get through
1: this. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. That was a low blow. Uh,
2: How about we just have a glass of water for now? I don't think that'll do it. Okay, then. Uh, Yeah, I can't serve you anymore at the moment. You can have a glass of water or maybe you'd like to... Maybe it's time for you to go home. Um, <laughs> got it. <him. laughs> <Got him. laughs>
4: <laughs> Jeff is so terrible at roleplay.
3: <laughs> no, I don't want to go home. I must have some vodka right now.
4: Uh, Security,
2: yeah. The other end. things that you can do is offer.
4: You can also offer a packet of chips.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Ah, yeah. It's a great suggestion.
4: Yeah, and you can also say something like. um I don't want your night to end badly, mate. Let's oh. let's just sit it out for one hour and then we'll see how you're travelling. Oh. And say one. it in that voice. Does yeah. anyone ever do this? I mean, I, it? Yeah, I don't know. Have you guys ever been cut off?
1: Oh, I've cut other people. I've cut yeah, people I've off cut when people I worked at a pub. Mm.
4: Yeah, and yeah. did you? Did anyone ever not
1: take it well? The guy jumped over the bar. <gasps> really? Oh, yeah, went to grab the other bartender. See, that's bartender. the thing. If you're
4: dealing with a drunk person, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's and then keep we on went security. Yeah,
1: they so that in. was very realistic. Mm. Yeah, right. well,
4: that's perfect. Then. Yeah, well, I think okay, we all learned something there. Who wants to be the bottle shop owner? Oh yes, please. Yeah, all right, and I'll give this one to Geraldine. You, okay. this is um, a very difficult woman. That's come in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this, is an this is applicable to bottle shop owners as well. It it's is. Sort of bars. It oh. is,
4: and I've got another scenario that might never. surprise you as well. Oh, okay. Oh, So this is a difficult woman that's come in, mm-hmm. but you, Sarah, have seen her with her daughter who's in a school uniform, and the daughter has picked out some cask wine. <laughs> For right. herself, yeah. Oh. And the mum oh. has
1: got it. I see what's happening. Yeah. Mm. Even buying. though I
4: know that you do like cask wine, Geraldine. Mm. But in this scenario, you're <laughs> buying it for your daughter. For Alexia.
1: Yeah.
4: For Alexia.
2: Okay. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Can I just like to buy this uh, box of wine, please? Oh, okay.
1: Uh, but does your daughter have any ID on it? No, it's not for her. It's for me. Well. Oh, I appreciate that it could be for you, but uh, she did seem to choose the wine. So just to be on the safe side here, I have to check her ID. Where's the manager? I am the manager, sir. You're the manager. Ma'am.
2: You're the manager. You're, ma- you're calling I'm me sir? I am the I'm manager, i I'm the lady. I'm the lady. I'm the manager. You're the manager. You're calling me, sir. I'm the manager. You're the manager. manager. I'd like to buy this box of wine for myself.
1: Well, just for me. Okay. Well, I appreciate that you would like. She's got nothing to do
2: with this. It's just. It's just. I just. I've had a hard day, and I just want to go home and have a nice drink of wine. Okay. So why is she? I've just picked her up from school. Like.
1: Sharon, you can go wait outside. This is just for me. I can see that Sharon has some friends waiting outside for her. Is she waiting? To, she's going to take the car. This is none of your to
2: business. Then? I'm
1: out of here. Oh. And oh, so that was a bit. Hateful. Well, she let. Like, was that okay? I didn't know how to. I didn't know what to do. It's a tough one. But well, it, was it was really was hard. hard. Well, that so that was I would
4: recommend.
1: I just got really nervous. Then. Yeah. Well, like actually, I got really all, nervous. First so I didn't of know all, what I just do.
4: want to say, Geraldine.
1: Yeah, thank yes. you, yeah.
4: thank you. Like in terms of role play, you really stuck up. to that, and mm. I said difficult, and you were difficult, yeah. and I was a bit scared. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, <laughs> so I was off. I. was like, if someone is tuning in in the middle of this, they're gonna they're gonna turn off because this is uncomfortable. I didn't know what to do, and you, I could tell that you were scared. Yeah, Sarah. she had all the right things to say. Yeah, I think you can maybe like, I think you can be just like, this isn't happening. Really, you need to go. Yes, yeah.
3: and there was can an awkward, really? awkward moment when you
1: misgendered her as well. Well, yeah, that yeah. took, right. took things up. And Sorry. Launched. And mm. you
4: really took that and ran, which I. I that's quick, Geraldine. I that's love, good. I love the yeah.
1: get the manager, though, because my friend's the manager of a shop and people are always go, get the manager. And she goes, I am the manager. Yeah. yeah. It's and, the, and it's uh, the biggest, most. I tried to be powerful, anyway. You can
4: tell yeah. that someone complains a lot when they say
2: get the manager. Oh, totally. it's,
4: it's such a classic complainer move, yep. isn't it? I yeah. would
2: say it all the time, even though I was not the manager. That you were the manager? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I am the manager, even though it, I'm not. <coughs> Don't
1: ask any further questions. <laughs> well, how do they know? You're not
4: wearing yeah, a exactly. badge that says manager. Mm. All right, last scenario before we finish up. Okay. So, Sarah, you are a bride at a wedding. Oh, my dream. Yeah. <laughs> really. Is it your bridal <laughs> dream to also get absolutely legless? It's sitting. And embarrass yourself? It is. your whole Happiest day family? of your life. <laughs> So, Jeff, you are the bartender oh. at the wedding, and Sarah has had way too much. And even though she's the one that's organised this wedding, paid for the bar tab, she needs to stop drinking. All right, and you need to do something about it. Okay, go.
3: <laughs> this will be good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, you. Excuse me.
3: Are you speaking to me? Yes. I, yeah. Well,
1: who else would I speak to? Is anyone else behind the bar? <laughs> I think I take. Pre- Jeez, oh, I have, have some you? Respect. Can you see what I'm wearing? Well, can you see what I'm wearing? Why don't you have some respect? <laughs> I don't need it's, this my, job. it's my. It's my. It's my special day. It's my special day. Jesus Christ! I just want a it's glass of champagne. An hour That's not my problem. I paid thirty thousand dollars for this wedding.
3: <laughs> well, you made a terrible. I think you've had quite enough.
1: I don't think it's your job <laughs> to tell me if I've had enough.
3: You're disrespecting you everyone's your, looking at no, you. No,
1: yet yeah, because I'm the bride. <laughs>
2: Enstein, is everything all right here? <laughs> Hello, I'm the manager.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well done, <Dad>, Sarah. Oh, <laughs> also, Sarah. yeah, can we just add for visual reference as well? Your eyes were rolling into the bed. I, know. Back yeah. of I
1: couldn't look. I couldn't look at Jeff. I
4: was like, anyway. Gosh, Sarah, you nailed that!" Oh, thanks. You need to get married, drunk ride her here I come, <laughs> Jeff. You saying, I don't need this job, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that was the best tactic. But
2: well
3: done. Something that runs through my head all well the
2: time. Well done. So, <laughs> <laughs> how, how, um, how would you approach that one? What's the answer there? I would go to a family member and oh. ask
4: them to try and talk Control to Control the bride. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the husband. But that was, I guess that was a bit of a trick question.
3: Oh. in a way
4: wasn't it god i don't envy
3: mm. people having to deal with these
4: neither do i neither do no, I, neither I at all do I. yeah so everyone be nice to you not drink Barcapes too much alcohol be when responsible when you're on alcohol servers yeah. but yeah. well done guys thanks for oh, role thanks playing you around. Oh, <laughs> thank around. you everyone Give yourselves you Lovely to see you thanks nice for to see you guys
0: you're listening to the best bits of the breakfasters from 3 triple r